Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. Hello and welcome to the Connect Podcast, where you can uh, you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you can get podcasts. God's Word always is relevant and powerful and encouraging, so I hope you'll be encouraged today. And as we uh, get into this, we're going to continue in our series in John chapter 6 today. You want to make sure you got your Bible. You want to make sure that if you can, if you're uh, if you're at home, if you're not working, you know, or if you if you have a chance to really dive in, then, then uh, make sure that you are uh, taking some notes as well as we are going verse by verse, really, through the Gospel of John, walking with Jesus and getting to know him better. Let me tell you something that I've found really funny uh, as we uh, get into our study today. So check this out. In the news recently, there has been a study that was done. Let me read to you a little bit of that study Uh, researchers released a nutritional index this week aiming to inform guidelines and help Americans achieve healthier and more environmentally stable diets. The index ranked food by minutes or gained or lost off of your life per serving. They looked at 5,000 different foods in the U.S. diet. Now, as what, what I'm showing on the screen here is it says every hot dog a person eats shortens their life by 36 minutes. Any Anybody like hot dogs. If you like hot dogs, this is very bad news because, you know, usually if I'm going to eat a hot dog, I'll probably eat two or three hot dogs. So that's about a, a 90 minutes of your life that uh, you're losing there. However, they say we can also add minutes to our life expectancy by eating better foods. A portion of nuts adds almost 26 minutes, while a peanut butter and jam sandwich gives a person more than a half an hour of extra life. So yes, you heard that right. Uh, The key to eternal life is a peanut butter and jam sandwich. So if you look at this chart here, you see that hot dogs down at the bottom take off 36 minutes of your life and it kind of goes up from there. Pizza takes off about a minute and a half of your life. French fries actually add a minute and a half, so that may be good news for those of you who love French fries. But uh, but seriously, of all the foods, peanut butter and jelly adds the most. So that adds 36 minutes. So, you know, one idea would be to uh, eat a hot dog in one hand, eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You cancel it out and you have, uh, you know, you're, you have not lost or gained any life at that point. I, I'm curious if this actual study was actually written by a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, possibly, 
you know, and um, then also I thought, well, you know, if you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every 30 minutes, again, you have <laughs> achieved immortality. So uh, I personally, you know, <laughs> have eaten more hot dogs than peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I commit today to eating more peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I think that's the that's uh, going to be really important. So that's uh, my commitment. But today we're actually talking about Jesus being the bread of life, that spiritual food that we need. So that's why I wanted to share that today. And we think of what do we really need is food that sustains us, and that is uh, Jesus himself. Because what we find here is we begin in John chapter 6, verse 16. Uh, if you back up, you see that after Jesus fed the 5,000, which you know was more like 15,000 people that he fed, including women and children, it says that he went off by himself. Jesus went off by himself, and so then we see the disciples in, in John chapter 6, verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. So you see the disciples actually were in this storm because they were obeying Jesus. They were doing what Jesus had asked them to do, what they were supposed to be doing, and yet there was still a storm. And sometimes we face storms in our life and we wonder, is this because I am not in God's will or I'm disobeying God? Uh, and, and perhaps sometimes the storms in our life come from from um, disobeying God, but but not necessarily. Sometimes you're exactly where God wants you to be, and yet you face a storm in your life. But you see, Jesus is coming to them. It's important that they have Jesus in the boat, and Jesus was walking them in the middle of the storm. Now, this is one of those you know questions when it comes to miracles. Did Jesus really walk on water? And um, so this 2006 scientific article uh, published in the Journal of Paleolimnology, um, said that, uh, asked the question, is there a paleolimnological explanation for walking on the water in the Sea of Galilee? And a doctor named Dr. Dor Doran Knopf, who's an expert in oceanography and limnology, which is the study of lakes, don't say you don't learn anything uh, from these studies because now you've learned Limnology is the study of lakes, and uh, they speculate that an odd combination of atmospheric conditions may cause rare pat patches of floating ice on the Sea of Galilee. So according to their calculations, the chances of this floating ice phenomenon happening are less than once in a thousand years that there would be floating ice on the Sea of Galilee, but maybe Jesus, instead of walking on water, maybe he... <laughs> Uh, surfed on a patch of floating ice. And, uh, you know, <laughs> either way, that would be phenomenal. Like, if Jesus was surfing on a floating piece of ice, uh, that would be miraculous, you know, that he had that ability to surf on the ice. 
And especially if the ice only um, happens once every thousand years, then it would take incredible timing for Jesus to catch that ice, be able to, to you know, surf it all the way to the boat. Um, and that would be interesting, especially if you had cameras there to see uh, what happened. But I think, you know, one of the one of the things as we look at this is it's like, you know, the way we think it's like, is like we're looking for some explanation, physical explanation behind an actual miracle. And we try to explain away the things that we cannot explain. And in the process, you miss the miracle. Um, so instead of trusting that Jesus actually walk, can walk on the water, you know, we're going to find some other explanation that really is more, <laughs> more unbelievable than, than the fact that Jesus is God in the flesh. This is a miracle that only God can do. And notice the disciples, they were afraid. You know, in another one of the Gospels, it says that they thought that uh, it was a ghost. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. Um, they saw Jesus as a threat to keep away from their boat instead of the only being the only one who could save them in the middle of the storm. So when you're afraid, listen to God. Jesus is, has these words, do not be afraid. And Jesus said that a lot. He said, do not be afraid. And um, maybe today you need to hear that, whatever fears you have, that that you just want to make sure Jesus is in your boat. Now, some of the fears that we have are rational fears, and some of them are irrational fears. I wonder, what is your greatest need today? And know that Jesus wants to show up, invite him in to your situation today. Um, when they heard those words, then in verse 21, they brought Jesus onto the boat, and the boat reached the shore safely. Um, you know, another gospel also says that Jesus that, that Jesus called Peter out into the water, and Peter walked on the water. Um, but John really is is emphasizing here that they need Jesus in their boat. Don't keep Jesus away. Don't keep Jesus at arm's length. Invite him in. When we're afraid, we keep Jesus out many times because we want to do things our way instead of doing things his way. So invite Jesus into your boat. Then we see what happens with the crowds in John chapter 6, verse 22. It goes on. And we're going to cover a lot of verses today. So uh, we can we can uh, get a lot of lot of God's word into our lives today. So verse 22, the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus hadn't entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. They were looking for the next event. They were looking for the next show. And Jesus, he is wanting to teach them to, to move them from being a crowd that is seeking after the miracle in the moment to a crowd of people who are seeking after faith in Jesus, real faith. And in the process, you know, one of the issues is Jesus deals with what is your motivation? What is your motivation for coming to Jesus? 
um, in verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, when Jesus speaks, he's telling the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Jesus always knows what's really going on. Many times we don't know our own motivation, but Jesus knows the motivation of our heart. We need to check our motivation. Uh, Jesus is challenging their motivation. He said, look, you, you are just following me. You enjoyed the bread. You wanted to eat the miracle bread. So is your motivation more uh, physical of getting your needs met or is it spiritual of knowing Jesus? Um, and the word he used when he says, you ate the loaves and had your fill, he's using a word uh, like the animals in the field grazing. They're just, you know, they're just uh, fulfilling that physical need in their life. And then verse 27, he Jesus goes on, he says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. He says, look, there is a food that is temporary. There's a food that doesn't last. There's a food that fades. And then there's one that will really sustain you, that really lasts. And yes, we have to eat, you know, but, um, but, we, we want to remember that we need to eat to live and not just live to eat. And at the same time, don't miss the better food, the spiritual food, the sustenance that really sustains your life. And that is spiritual. We, we need to allow God to meet both our spiritual needs and our physical needs. And he can do that through Jesus. And there's really two choices. We can fill our appetite, that hunger that we have, by our own work or by God's grace. And how often are we working and striving and struggling to work for things, to buy things that are so temporary? No matter how much we have, we always want more, and we want more than the person next to us, right? We want to outdo them. And in the end, uh, it's useless. It doesn't really satisfy. Nothing you know, satisfies uh, completely apart from Jesus. So in verse 28, they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So, so uh, the, the work, the work is belief, is simply belief. What do I need to do to make God happy is what they're asking. Well, it's not our works, but it's our belief, our faith, and our trust. And it's a choice that we make to believe. And that's a choice that we need to make regularly. We need to continue to make that choice. And it's really not about how I trust as much as who I trust. Who am I putting my faith and my trust in? So that's the motivation. But then also there's, uh, he talks about, Jesus is talking about our focus. What is your focus? We can focus on the bread or the bread of life. We can focus on man or manna. Um, and, and so verse 30, they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I will come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So that was a lot, a lot. Hopefully we'll, we'll get to cover most of that. But um, here at the end, he says, you know, he will raise up his followers, his family, uh, believers in Jesus at the last day. And we want to remember that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We're present with the Lord when we die. Our spirit, our soul, is with Jesus. But our bodies are sown. They're sown, they're, they're, they're buried um, in the ground, but they will, they will be raised at, when Jesus comes back for us. Now, um, he's talking here in this passage also about the security we have as believers, that, that he will never uh, drive away those who are his. Once you are born again, you can't be reborn again. You're alive. You're made alive in Christ, and you're going to stay that way. We have an assurance that he, that Jesus is going to hold on to us, and one of the ways I like to illustrate that is you think about Jesus holding on to your hand, and whose grip is stronger. He's going to hold on to that which is his, or those who are his. He's going to hold on, and his grip is always stronger. So you can have assurance that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that you're, you are his, that he's going to hold on to you, that he chose you, that he gave us his promise, and he will not uh, abandon us. You cannot lose your salvation if you have salvation in Jesus. And what the people are doing here is they're confusing the supply and the source. Um, they thought, well, Moses is giving us this manna, this bread. But Jesus says, no, it's not Moses. Moses was just sort of the, the conduit. Uh, but God himself is the source. And uh, sometimes we do that. I think even in the church today, uh, we've got so many. We have brought celebrity culture, uh, those who are, you know, we, we kind of have celebrity worship uh, through actors and, and uh, you know, athletes and all of these. Well, we've just done the same. We've put that on pastors. And what we found uh, for those celebrity pastors, many of them, they just sort of crumble under the weight because nobody is meant to be idolized or put in the place of God. And uh, so we've kind of just transferred and, and brought that into the church. Uh, don't worship a person, but we worship Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. One number I saw that was interesting was 3,975 feet. Is the 3,975 feet the longest loaf of bread in the world made in Portugal in 2005? Uh, when sliced, that bread, nearly 4,000 feet long, fed over 15,000 people, which is great. You know, Jesus did that when he broke the bread and multiplied it and fed all those people. But listen, the bread that Jesus has, it feeds everyone throughout history who has called 
on him. It sustains us for life. And so we, we've got to remember it's not the bread itself. It's the one who gives it and that we are focusing on him and not just seeking after those spiritual experiences or those miracles or those moments, but daily depending on him to provide for our needs. And then third, he talks about our perspective, our perspective. Do you have a temporary perspective or a lasting eternal perspective? So verse 41 says this, at this, at this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I, can't, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It's written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who's heard the father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, he is not yet, Jesus is not yet sort of instituted uh, communion or the Lord's Supper that he did on the night before he was crucified. And yet he's sort of looking forward to that. He's sort of, you know, planting some seeds there. But he's saying, look, don't get caught up in the temporary um, because it doesn't last. The things of this world do not last, but see the bigger picture of eternity. Keep eternity in mind and live with that eternal perspective. Verse 52, then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Now, you can imagine how controversial and how shocking this was. People going, what is he talking about? Eating my flesh and drinking my blood and is disgusting and you know uh, actually uh, the the people were accusing the followers of Jesus uh, to be cannibals because of this like what is this and they're seeing it their their perspective is very physical and very short-sighted and not seeing the spiritual truth behind what Jesus is saying and in some sense Jesus is trying to be provocative you know because he wants uh, he wants people to discern what is spiritual from what is physical listen Jesus is saying he is the only way to God he is the only source of spiritual sustenance and food that you can have in your life uh, and Jesus what he's talking about is putting your faith in him for salvation but you've got to have a spiritual perspective. 
And what it really means to eat and to drink in Jesus is to depend on him fully for every aspect, every part of your life. And Jesus is asking, he's asking us today, um, and, and this is the question I want to kind of land on, do you trust me? Do you want just a quick fix in your life, uh, just a momentary experience, or do you want something more? Because Jesus gave his life for you and me. He gave everything to us, everything he could give. And so we want to, to take a moment and we want to think about what is my motivation for following Jesus? Is it just, just uh, to meet my needs, my, my physical needs, or is there something more? What is my focus? Do I have a, a heavenly focus and focusing on God himself? What is my perspective? Is it temporary or is it eternal? Let's think about those things. We'll close this out. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, right now, we want to thank you that we can trust you. God, that you say to us, do not be afraid. Whatever we're facing today, those are your words to us. Do not be afraid. There's no need to fear. We want to put our faith and our trust in you. We want to have a spiritual understanding. God, check the search, the motivation of our heart today that we are uh, seeking after you, not for our own selfish reasons, but God, because of who you are and what you have done for us. Give us a new focus. Help us to focus in on what's most important. And God, give us an eternal perspective um, for things that we're not just looking uh, at today, but God, we're looking at what the big picture and help us to see through your eyes and see uh, our lives in the way that you see them. God, we commit ourselves to you. Thank you so much for your presence with us. We invite you in to our lives and we depend on you. We pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you have a blessed week. I look forward to seeing you really soon. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast.